Now please, in your scriptures, if you want to turn to the book of Jonah, and uh, you'll find Jonah just after all the big prophets, and then a few of the minor prophets, and um, work your way past Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, you'll find Jonah, very well-known passage. And as I've gone around, um, both in my own congregation and in other places, um, just this last few weeks, I've been really thinking about this passage because um, Jonah chapter 2 and chapter 3, verse 1, uh, on, on the basis of actually uh, some devotional reading I, I engaged in over the summer, a friend of mine gave me a book um, containing a sermon uh, about Jonah. It really, really spoke to me and a message which I hope will help you um, in, in your own walk. <laughs> Um, this evening and we were praying actually in a prayer meeting that people would be renewed and helped that Christians will be helped by the word of God this evening as well as people who are not Christians um, so we pray that God would speak and this is God's word Jonah chapter 2 Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from the belly of the fish saying I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me all your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I avowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you, Amen. Well, as I've said, it's, it's a real joy for me to be back here. Uh, uh, as Wilbur has said, I've been here recently. I was here uh, before, well, it was my last Sunday before I went on, on my summer break. And since my summer break, I've been to Inverness. So if you've never been to Inverness, I recommend it. It's quite a long drive. Uh, but it's a lovely, lovely farming area just north of Inverness and back now in uh, Ballykeel a couple of weeks, almost as if I've never been away. And we've been reflecting just in um, this last couple of weeks in Ballykeel as we think about preparing for the autumn. What I've been doing is I've met, been meditating on um, passages which I think really speak about God's grace and God's mercy. And uh, we all need God's grace and God's mercy. So that's what I want to think about this evening. I want to think about the second chance uh, that God gives us. Because, you know, one of the problems, and this is it's so interesting when you talk to people in different congregations and you share, you know, from Jonah, um, how, how many people come up and, and they say, you know, how, how Jonah and the grace of God in the book of Jonah has really spoken to them. And I, I think the problem is, you know, what happens is a lot of, a lot of Christians, they commit their lives to Christ and they seek to follow Jesus, especially young people, they seek to follow Jesus and they kind of have a, an enthusiastic period. But then there's maybe a period in their spiritual walk where 
um, they break down a bit or they fail God or maybe um, there's disappointment in the soul or they committed some sort of sin um, and it seems so great to them that there's no way back into God's favour and you become to get very despondent. Well, if that describes you, and there, and there maybe are people like that here this evening, I think God wants to address us and God wants to speak to us and, and to heal us and to help us through his word. Uh, and maybe you've even struggled to be here this evening. But God wants to, to bless you. And he wants you to hear the message of the second chance, of his mercy and his grace. And as I've said, we begin this reflection uh, this evening with our old friend Jonah. Now, if you go back to the book of Jonah that I read earlier on, we'll, we'll, we'll just set uh, Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 in context because we remember how the story goes chapter 1 it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying arise go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it for the evil their evil has come up against me so Jonah here who we don't know a whole lot about um, he's called by God to go to Nineveh now Nineveh is kind of in, in what we would call today Iraq Okay, so he's called to go there. It's a great city. It's a, it's a great civilization. Uh, but they're obviously clearly practicing evil. God sees their evil. And their evil has come up before God. And God appoints, the Lord appoints Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel, as it were. You know, to, to announce the need for repentance of a, a turning away from their evil acts and a turning to God, which is essentially the gospel message, isn't it? Mark chapter one, verse one, the beginning of the gospel, you know, the kingdom of God is here, repent. So there's a, a message of, of, of gospel repentance, which Jonah has to take to the people of Nineveh. But it says in verse, verse three, that Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. And then I love the way, Jonah's a very humorous book, away from the presence of the Lord. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, Jonah's going to encounter the presence of the Lord in the belly of a whale. See, so there's no way you can actually get away from the presence of an omniscient, an all-knowing, an omnipresent, all-being, omnipotent, all-powerful God. I mean, the adjectives that describe God, I mean, he's immeasurable, as Paul says. But Jonah fancies his chances. He rises to flee to Tarshish. Now, again, if you were looking at a map, you've got... Nineveh down here, you know, in Iraq. And you've got Tarsus, which is somewhere there, we think maybe southern Spain, the far end of the known world. So he's actually trying to go as far away, as it were, from the presence of the Lord. And then it says, he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarsus. He paid a fare, actually paid money to get away from the presence of the Lord. When down into it, that word down, Hebrew, uh, it's used so many times. It's not just a physical description. It's like a spiritual description of Jonah. He's going down, he's going down, he's going down, going down. Going down, 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 away from the presence of the Lord. Now, we know what happens next. Verse 4, 3 to 6, the Lord hurls a great wind upon the sea. There's a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatens to break up because of course you can't get away from the presence of the Lord he's going to put something in the way to catch your attention he's almighty and the mariners were afraid each cried out to his own God 
you know, seafaring people are very religious because they're, you know, exposed to uh, the seas all of the time and uh, it's a very life-threatening occupation, isn't it? And, and, and they're, they're praying. They're praying to all their pagan gods. And then they heard their cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But here in verse 5 of chapter 1, Jonah had had that expression again, gone down into the inner part of the ship and it laid down and was fast asleep. You think of some other voyages um, in, in the gospel, for example, we think of, you know, Christ sleeping as the storm rose um, in Mark's gospel around the disciples. So we think of, you know, Paul in Acts chapter 27 sailing around the Mediterranean. There's a storm and they start to throw the cargo overboard. But of course, the differences between Jonah and Jesus and Jonah and Paul is that Jonah is not concerned about God's will. He's sleeping in spite of God's will. It's almost like what we have here is, is a picture of a young prodigal, somebody who's grown up in the church, heard the beauty of the gospel, you know, or saw the beauty of the gospel in, in family lives and people around. He's maybe been baptized, but he leaves and leaves far away. And he spends money to get away. And he's sleeping, as it were, without regard for God. So many of our young people, maybe of our young people going to university, are like that. They leave. And it pains us. But as we know, within the covenant of God, there's a sense in which you can't really leave God. They say to one another, verse 7, come, let's cast lots so we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. There's a moral reckoning. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country and of what people are you? And he has to fess up there in verse 9 because he says, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He starts with the God of creation. Well, aren't you meant to be a follower of God? Well, yes, I am, he has to say. Well, what is this you've done? Verse 10. But the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. He said, I'm fleeing from the present. God's called me to do something. I don't want to do it, so I want to go to Tarsus. And then they said to him, well, what will we do to you that the sea might quieten down? And the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and the sea will be quiet for you, because I know it's, it's my fault. Verse 12. But the men are kind of compassionate. They don't want to do that. Verse 13, it says, they row hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Then they call out to the Lord, oh Lord, they're converted. You see that? They're not crying out to their gods, small g, plural gods. They're calling out to Yahweh. So they're converted by all of this. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us his innocent blood for you, O Lord. Or let, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. The men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. It's interesting, isn't it? Jonah becomes a sacrifice to save the pagan sailors. What's that? A, a picture of, an anticipation of sacrifice to save the lost. And so it says in verse 17, the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then in chapter two, as I read to you, we have that great prayer inside the belly of the whale. 
And at the heart of it, verse 7, when my life was fainting away, Jonah prays, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. And then we notice verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish, it vomits Jonah out upon the dry land. He must have been stinking. And then chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The second time. Now this is an expression of what we might call the tolerance of God. He gives a second chance to the one who has failed. It's an expression of the love and the grace of God, the mercy of God. He is the God of second chances. In fact, he is the God of second chances, often renewed. Canon Stuart Holden, who is a chairman of the the old Keswick Convention in England years and years ago, he says this, it is God's way out only to accept us at the first and to make us his servants, but to continue to us also the privilege of service even when we've sinned away our first chance. It is God's way out to accept us at the first and to make us his servants, but to continue to us also the privilege of service even when we've sinned away our first chance. Now, so often this message of God's second chance, the word of the Lord coming a second time, has to come to people who suffered maybe a particular, they're remembering a past temptation, a sin that somehow they think, you know, will overcome them. I was angry in the past and I'm scared or I've had an addiction. You know, I work with a lot of people who who struggle with addictions and especially heroin and drugs. It's so powerful. It's such a powerful grip or pornography, or gossip, or lust. It just grips people, and it keeps recurring. And and sometimes people are thinking, you you hear expressions, sometimes people say things like, well, I was a Christian. I tried Christianity. It worked for a while. Or maybe it's it's somehow that um, God is actually calling us like Jonah, to do something which we know is going to cost us. And that's causing us to doubt. Maybe we have to make a difficult choice at work or at home or we have to apologize to someone. Or maybe we have to share the gospel. Maybe we have to rebuke somebody lovingly and we don't want to do it. Our conscience knows it's the right thing to do, but we refuse to do it. We want to flee from the Lord's will. But the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The Lord is in control. He will organize the victory. And he wants to use you because you will be his messenger. He wants in his grace to recommission you. Now here's the thing. This this message of grace, this whole idea of giving someone a second chance is completely counter to the way the world works, isn't it? Completely counter to the way the world works. A couple of weeks ago, it was the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland. And uh, we know what happened there. A guy called Graham Linehan was cancelled. You know, because the organisers didn't like you know, his views. I think his view was that a human born with a womb was a woman. Cancelled. It's not fashionable. J.K. Rowling, the same. Cancelled. You know, there's a kind of a new Puritanism. That's what they're calling it. It's... Obviously, it's not what I, 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 I don't agree with that statement. But that's, that's what the secular media are describing the culture today. It's a new Puritanism. They talk about the pitchfork brigade, the way people are so quick on social media to cancel, to cancel 
people they don't like. But actually, the truth of the matter is, sometimes the church are pretty good at cancelling people as well. We have to be honest about that. And even in our own individual lives, well, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not talking to her. I'm not talking to him. (coughs) We've got to show mercy, brothers and sisters. We have to show grace. We've received grace to show grace. Now, the thing is, it's pretty risky. Grace is risky as well. Not only is it counterintuitive to the way the world works, which demands vengeance and cancelling and anger. You know, this whole idea of showing people grace and mercy, it's, it's, it's risky because, you know, if you recommission someone who's let you down, there's a, there's a risk involved, isn't there? It involves a lot of patience, a lot of time. You're going to have to allow for the fact that the person's going to do, you know, repeat the sin. They're going to let you down again. But, you know, the thing is, God has a lot of practice working with failures. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all failed. Moses, Israel. They had to get the tablets of stone, you know, the Ten Commandments done a second time. Book of Judges, replete with failure. David, my goodness. Solomon, who was seduced in the end by all his power and his money. We think of the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. They all have to hold out the grace of second chances for Israel. And then, of course, Jesus himself, the Son of God, let down, let down, let down three times by Peter, for example. Then, of course, they all fleed. What does Jesus do? Post-resurrection, he rises from the grave and he says to Peter, feed my sheep. Has to tell him three times. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Peter's upset. Then, of course, again, we read the book of Acts, and we think, in the book of Acts, John, Mark, Paul, Barnabas, they all had their fallouts. They all had to be given a second chance. Book of Revelation, God says, I stand at the door and knock. You know, people think that's evangelistic. It's about Jesus asking the church to let him in. Let grace in, let mercy in. God comes to sinful people again and again and again, and he gives them a second chance. Now, practically, what does this mean for us? The first thing that I think it means for us is three things. The first thing is this. We need to understand how great God's mercy is in uh, the first place. Now, God hates sin. He really hates your sin hates it with a passion. Sin and your failure in sin is a thing hateful to God and and my sin too. It's awful. Now don't think for a second that God is treating Jonah lightly. You know, giving him just a little pat on the back. Oh, you're all right, son. Don't do it again, you know. He's, He's not indulging him at all. Jonah was spoken to three times. He was commissioned three times, and yet he still sinned. And many of us do stubbornly sin. There's no doubt about it. You know, um, it's a very uh, famous verse in the heart of Jeremiah. It's very easy to remember. It's Jeremiah 44 and verse 4. Jeremiah 44 and verse 4. God says, I persistently sent to you all my servants the prophets, saying, Do not do this abomination that I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ear to me. They did not listen. Hard-hearted, stubborn sinners. 
Now, you know what you have to do with your sin. You have to die to your sin. And one of the most painful parts of dying to sin is pride, killing your pride, admitting that it is your fault and it is your attitude that's causing the problem. I really struggle with this because nobody likes to be, you know, I don't want to be wrong in any given situation. But Jesus himself says, doesn't he, in John chapter 12, unless a grain of wheat falls and dies, can't bear fruit. Paul says, he, he discusses this quite a bit in Romans chapter 6, doesn't he? And then, and then in 1 Corinthians, isn't it, towards the end of 1 Corinthians, he says, I die every day. But then, of course, we read what Paul says in, in, in Romans 5. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and his death has ongoing power every day we need his mercy every day and we get it every day the word of the lord comes to us a second time you know we don't just experience salvation and the great grace and mercy of the cross when we first commit our lives maturely you know to jesus christ we the power of the cross applies to us every day we need the gospel every day and we get mercy every day there's never a point until we get to glory where we'll be free from sin in that sense. We'll always struggle. So we need the gospel every day. God hates sin, gives us his great mercy every day. The word of the Lord comes a second time. Now this gives us confidence, therefore, to walk in his ways. Now, I accept, you know, when it comes to our pasts, you know, it can be difficult. And there are people, probably people here, who are struggling with memories of the past or decisions they've made or things that they've said. And they're wondering how to cope with it. Uh, I was sharing uh, last week, uh, <laughs> we had, um, during the summer holidays, um, I bump into some people here and uh, uh, we were in Portrush and we were watching, I was watching uh, the skaters. Did you see the skaters, did you? They were skating up by Curry's and um, there was a skating competition, like a, some sort of event festival they were having. And I was watching it, you know, at 53 years old, thinking, I wonder, could I do that? And I watched these guys who go down one ramp across the ground and then up the other ramp and they flick through the air, you know, do like an aerial or a somersault and then down the other side. And I kept thinking, oh, you know, I could see the bandages and the elbow pads and the helmets that they were wearing. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, that, that would really, really hurt if I fell. But I was thinking, if I fell, then the memory of that pain would make sure that the second time I did it, I would be much more wary. Now that's what it's like with our sin, isn't it? And with our past, you know, we, 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 we've done something, we've maybe tried to flee God's will, we've maybe ignored the grace of God and, and, and we've done something serious. But when we come to our senses, when the Lord in his grace reminds us of how painful and wrong that is, that's actually a good thing. It's actually a good thing because God is good. God cares for us. What he wants to do is he wants us to grow in the grace of his son. He, he, he loves us. We're never separated from his love. And so when he asks us and he speaks to our conscience about doing his will going forward, it's for our good, it's for, her, it's for his glory. You know, he's not concerned about preserving our reputation. He's concerned about his glory um, in, in our lives. He's concerned about us 
you know, beginning in his good work and him bringing it to a completion. And, and this love that God gives is future-orientated. The past can teach us and remind us, but it can't trap us. We can't be trapped by the sins of the past. We have to let go of our old prejudices and our old biases and be transformed by the renewal of our mind. God is going to fill us with his love. Of that, we can be absolutely confident. So if we are being tripped up and trapped by the past, please turn that round positively and just remind yourself that God loves you. God doesn't want you to go there again. And he will give you the strength, the salvation, the grace to walk in you. So we need to understand how great his mercy is in the first place. This gives us confidence and love to go forward despite the sins of the past. And thirdly, obviously, this helps us to apply the second chance that we've had to other people. Now, we need to be careful here. Um, you know, there are some people who, um, who we literally can't um, relate to or people I can't pastor in a sense because they're so blind to their sin. Uh, um, there was a, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 20, that Paul said, you know, to Timothy, you know, watch out for, it was an Alexander, uh, I've handed him over to Satan. <coughs> there are some people that we have to stay apart from. Um, maybe people who've been abusive to us or people who um, are struggling with addictions or people who are very manipulative. We, we, it, it's wise for us Maybe to pray for them, but not to engage with them, to stay away from them, to shake the dust off our feet. But actually, for most of us, most of the time, that's not the case. For most of us, most of the time, actually, there are people we should be engaging with all of the time with this message of mercy. And that is hard. It's hard to share mercy to people who annoy us, maybe people at work or people in um, home or um, people in study life. But we ourselves have been shown mercy. And Jesus says, doesn't he, go and do likewise. And in fact, it should be so much better for us because we have Jesus. Jonah, Jonah was anticipating a time, if you like, when the Lord would come. We, the Lord has come for us. We look back at the power of the cross and we receive the Holy Spirit and we live that blessed life, a free life, free from the obligation of death and guilt in the past, free to love and seek to affirm others, to speak well of others, to, to think the best of others, to hope for the best, to love our enemies, to live out lives of mercy, just as our heavenly Father himself is merciful. So the question this evening is this, who are you going to show mercy and grace to this week or in the weeks to come? Who are you going to give a second chance to for Jesus' sake and in Jesus' name? It's challenging, but it's the gospel. So let's commit our lives to God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that the word came to Jonah a second, a second time and a third time. And your word comes to us again this evening of your mercy and your grace, of your death on the cross for our sins and our ignorance and those times when we've, when we've wandered away from your will and you've called us back. 
So please, in your love, Lord God, empower us and help us to show that mercy to others. Refresh us, Lord God, with your love and your grace tonight. Remind the people here in Bucknah that you really do love them and that you call us to show and share your love this week. Lord, bless us as we bring our prayers to you in the royal and priestly name of your Son. Amen.